other evening I came home from the office, busy day, decided to turn on the television for a little bit and kind of unplug from the day and just see what's going on. As I turned on the television, I came to a news report and it said that day the Dow Jones had taken a significant drop and they went on to report that your 401ks had taken a hit and that might affect your retirement. And all of a sudden I had an image of, of Denise at 1604 in Calabria with a sign, well worked for food. So I decided to change the channel and I went to another news report and immediately said that China has retaliated with tariffs and now there are tariffs on Chinese products coming to the U.S. that will go into effect in six months. Six months, I thought. That's right in time for the Christmas season shopping. Denise's tennis shoes are going to cost me more this year, I thought. So I changed the channel again, and there was Dr. Oz. And Dr. Oz was telling me that I needed to change my diet, that I needed to eat tofu. Tofu, he goes on to tell us that it's an excellent source of amino acids, iron and calcium. Tofu? I'd rather have flour tortillas. They're an excellent source of fajita and carne asada. <laughs> Tofu? So I changed the channel again. And I stayed and I just watched Tom and Jerry because the little guy always wins. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever wanted to change the channel in life? Have you ever thought I'd like to get out of the drama I'm in? Have you ever thought you'd like to get out of the series of events that's happening? Would you like to change the storyline of your life? Wouldn't it be nice if all of a sudden we could just change the channel? Well, I want to suggest to you that you and I can. The events we're going to look at in the Gospel of John, chapter number 20, and this series entitled 40 Days that left no doubt. 40 days of proof. Today we're going to look at Peter and John as they encounter the news of the resurrection. This series is looking at seven conversations Jesus will have with individuals or persons after the resurrection, before his ascension. 40 days in which he took people from, from questioning and doubts and indecision to a point of conviction. Peter and John were the disciples that Jesus called at Galilee. It's found in the Gospel of Luke chapter number 5. They were fishermen. Jesus arrives on the scene in Galilee and these men have the smell of sweat and labor on them. Their hands are calloused from years of pulling in the nets, toiling to make a living for their family. This particular day, the nets come in empty because their labor through the night, they've caught nothing. In fact, the first recorded words of Simon Peter in the Bible that the Holy Spirit gives us is in Luke chapter number 5. The first words out of Peter's mouth in recorded in the Bible are these, I quote, We worked hard all night long and caught nothing. Jesus will say to him, 
and John, follow me, follow me. But now, in John chapter 20, we're three and a half years later. These are men that had heard the Sermon on the Mount. They'd watched Jesus perform miracles at a place called Capernaum. They'd watched and witnessed the miraculous works of Jesus, but something happened just a few days before that that Jesus had been crucified. They had forsaken disillusion. They they thought this was going to build a kingdom. They thought it was going somewhere. Then all of a sudden the popularity of Jesus sank. And now Rome was in charge. And they witnessed the body of Jesus taken and placed in a tomb. And now the disciples... Peter and John, they're huddled, again questioning, somewhat disillusioned, discouraged. They feel like everything they believed in was was just gone. Could it be Peter was thinking to himself, after three and a half years, I've followed him for three and a half years, and now again I have nothing. I'm back where I was three and a half years ago. But I want to suggest to you, it would be the resurrection that would change the channel in their life. It would be the resurrection that would make a difference in them. They would go from that moment of questioning, that moment of self-doubt, that moment of, 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 of insecurity. Something happened. These men will become valiant soldiers, valiant warriors of the faith. In fact, it's one of the evidences of the resurrection. How is it that men were fearful? How is it that these two gentlemen who were who were uh, uh, questioning everything that were huddled back in, in a moment of, of, of disenchantment. All of a sudden, what was that experience that changed their life that they would go boldly from that point forward and never look back? Simon Peter. Simon Peter will be martyred for his faith in, in the city called Rome. Rome would put, a, would put a sentence upon him of death. The Romans would would crucify those who stood in opposition to Rome. And that was Peter's sentence. And in the city of Rome, outside the gates, they crucified Peter. And right before they did, he said, I am not worthy to be crucified in the manner of my Lord. Will you please crucify me upside down? And that's how Peter met his death, crucified upside down. John. John is the only one of the disciples that was not martyred. And he will live a long life. He will be bandished to the Isle of Patmos. But he will never again waver in his faith. No matter what opposition will come to him. He will stand and declare of the goodness and the love of God. What was it that changed their life? What was it that changed the channel of their life? From disillusion and discouragement. Wavering, vacillating. To confidence and security. The resurrection. The account I'm talking about is in. John chapter number 20, I invite you to go with me to your Bible or you can open the Westover app. And as we look at these verses today, I am going to suggest that in this account, the Holy Spirit drops some insights. I'm going to call them three channel-changing insights. Three insights from Scripture that can change the channel of your life. That can take you from the drama, that can take you from the storyline, that can take you out of the situation and change your life. Three channel-changing insights. Let's read the scripture together. John chapter number 20, verse number 1. It says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Mandeling went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed. 
from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. Hold on a moment. Who is that one that's called the one Jesus loved? It's John. That's why we call him John the Beloved. Is it that Jesus loved John and he didn't love the other disciples? No, 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 no. He loved all the disciples, but it seems like John captured the heart of Jesus because remember, at the Last Supper, it was John who leaned on the chest of Jesus. It's recorded in Scripture, and he could hear the heartbeat of Jesus. So he's become known as the one, John the Beloved, the one that Jesus loved. Let's continue verse number 2. They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started to the tomb, both of them running. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, verse number 8, the other disciple who reached the tomb first, that's John we know, also went inside and he saw and believed. I want you to notice that. He saw and believed. And I want to add one more verse to this, not in the Westover app, but it comes from verse number 29 of the same chapter. And Jesus will say, those who have not seen are more blessed when they believe. He's talking about you and I. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. And out of this account, I believe the scripture gives us what I call three channel changing insights that can change our lives. The first one I want to share with you is you need to get out of your rut. You need to get out of your rut. It's from verse number three. It says, upon receiving the news from Mary Magdalene, he says, and so Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Did you notice that? They started for the tomb. Hold on. The first time that Peter and John met Jesus, Jesus came to them at Galilee. But this time, they had to go to where Jesus was. Here it is. God may not do it in your life the way he did it last time. Some of us are in a rut. And I'm here to say, get out of the rut. Some of us are in a rut because we think God will always do it the same way every time you're sitting in a situation, in a condition, you say, well, if God really wanted it to be different, he would do it and he'd get me out of it. Because last time, this is what Jesus did. When I was in a bad place last time, this is why Jesus came to me and this is what he said to me. And you're in a different situation and a different location and wanting God to do the very same thing. And here, this time, Jesus didn't come to the disciples. The disciples went to the tomb. And I think it tells us that we need to get out of the rut. What is a rut? A rut is our alternative to God's purpose and God's assignment. Whatever God's purpose for you in your life, your marriage, your home, your career, whatever God's purpose, whatever God's assignment, if you are somewhere else than, uh, than God's assignment, you are in a rut. A rut is our alternative to God's purpose and God's assignment. And have you ever noticed you can trade one rut for another? You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever got out of one rut and gone to another rut? This actually happened here in the state of Texas. In fact, it was at the Ellis Prison Unit. 
there were two prisoners here in Texas that contrived a way to escape from prison. They decided, and they had planned it out, that when the laundry truck came into the prison compound, that when the, the bundles of, of laundry were, putting, were, were put inside of the, the trailer, they would get inside and hide behind the bundles of laundry. And sure enough, it happened. They got in the trailer. They hid behind the um, bundles of laundry. All of a sudden, the truck started off. They could feel the motion. They knew they were outside the prison. They were outside the compound. They were waiting. Then all of a sudden, the truck stopped. And they said, here it is. We're going to get out. They jumped out of the trailer, and they were in the compound of another prison. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. Don't you know that was a disappointment? They move from one prison to another. And you know what? We can do that. We can move from one rut to another rut. Did you ever make a mistake to cover up a previous mistake? Have you ever done that? Don't say amen, okay? Don't say amen. We've all done it. Did you ever, did you ever leave a dissatisfying job only to land another job that was even worse? And you're in that job and you're praying, oh, God, I wish I had my old job back. We can move from one rut to another rut. We can get in a mental rut. Yes, some of us are in a mental rut. You want something different, but every time you hear a suggestion, you just know. Well, I'm bored with my life, some people are saying. Well, how about going somewhere? I would like to. Well, how about going here? It's too hot. Well, how about going here? Well, it's too cold. How about going here? It's too far. How about here? It's too expensive. How about here? No, I don't want to. I don't like driving. You don't like driving, don't fly, you don't want to go. How are you going to get there? You're in a mental rut. Everything, you just shut it down. You can get in an emotional rut. Yes. You can, your feelings can just keep you stuck. I don't feel like it. I don't feel like going to school. I don't feel like trying harder. I don't feel like going to counter. I don't feel like joining a life group. I don't feel like, and you can get in an emotional rut. Have you ever seen somebody go to marriage counseling and only come out with four more reasons to be mad? You know what I'm saying? They're in an emotional rut. I mean, they're just caught in that rut. And decisions made in the rut are always mistakes. Yes. When you're in a rut and you make a mistake, you're not feeling well, you're feeling sorry for yourself and nothing's happening, so you go out and buy yourself something new. You buy yourself something you don't need with money you don't have, and then you wonder later on why God doesn't help you get out of your credit card debt. Why? Because you made a decision in the rut. It's the wrong time to make a decision. Procrastination is a characteristic of the rut. When you're in the rut, you're not in God's assignment. You're not fulfilling God's purpose. It's easy to put everything, no, later, later. And here is the word that's so common among people living in the rut. Gonna. I'm gonna. Doesn't mean they have. They're just gonna. Do you know the word gonna is not even in the Bible? There's, you don't read John 16. God was gonna love the world and he was gonna send his son that whoever. But no. There's no gonna in the Bible. You can't go to UTSA and get a degree and gonna. You can't get in an exercise program and gonna go to the Olympics with gonna exercise that you were gonna do and gonna. No. There's a whole bleacher of people in life 
that are, that are not fulfilling God's purpose, and it's the gonna section. They were gonna make the payment. They were gonna finish the degree. They were gonna follow their dream. They were gonna go to counseling. They were gonna get better. They were gonna spend more time with God's people. They were gonna make a difference, and they never did do it. So they just travel life north of nowhere on Route 66, just going in circles, disappointed with the condition of their life, for you see, ruts create what I call destiny stagnation. Destiny stagnation. And some of us are there. If I was to really talk to you, say, God, I believe he was going to do, and I really believe there was a time God wanted me to, there was a time I believe that I am in destiny stagnation. And I want to share with us, God never reveals his purposes when we're in the rut. Yes. When Peter and John were at that despondent place, bemoaning, no doubt feeling sorry for themselves, disappointed how things have gone, Jesus was crucified. Jesus didn't come to them this time. He came to them on Galilee, but he didn't come to them this time because God does not reveal his purposes when we're in the rut. When we're in the rut, we miss it. When we're in the rut, we're complaining. When we're in the rut, we're just caught in it. And when you're in the rut, you can take the assignment and think that that's what God has for you, that, that, that situation. I'm assigned to this. I guess God does, God's not going to fulfill his promises. I guess God's not going to come through. I guess I'll never see a difference. And all of a sudden, you finalize where you're at. And my admonishment to us today, get out of the rut. The Bible says that they, just on the hint, on the suggestion that Jesus might be alive, they went to the tomb. They went back to the place they knew Jesus was. Not bad spiritual advice. Go back to where you knew he was last time. Number two, I share with us. To get out of the rut, to change the channel, get going. <laughs> it's found in verse number four. It says, both of them were running, the two disciples, Peter and John. But the other disciple, that's John, notice this, outran Peter. When I read that, I just, I just caught in the scripture. There's, there's words, there's information God gives us. And remember, when God describes something, God's prescribing something. Why is it said in Scripture that, that John outran Peter? Is that just to let you know, well, he wasn't doing a triathlon and he was a better fit? No, it has a spiritual lesson for us. And I think the lesson is get going. Here it is. Peter, Peter was the one that said, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to stand by your way when things were turning and the crowd was hostile. Jesus, you can count on me. And Jesus said, but Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter said, not me or not at all. I'm going to be with you all the time. The moment came and he denied the Lord. And the third time, Scripture records this, not only did he deny the Lord, he spat out a, a flurry of, of vulgarity and Jesus heard it. And Jesus looked at him in the moment. Peter realized that Jesus was looking at him and he had heard his vulgarity and his denial. All of a sudden, he looked in the eyes of Jesus and remorse came upon him. Remorse. He felt so convicted. John, John the beloved, 
the disciple whom Jesus loved, the one that was closer to the heart of Jesus, that just leaned towards Jesus all the time. And the Bible says that John outran Peter. What am I, what is that saying to us? It teaches us this, devotion to God will take you further than guilt. Devotion to God will always take you further than guilt. I know some of us, we feel guilty. Some of us, the only reason you're in church today is you feel so guilty about something that happened. You said, you know, I just need to do one thing this week that, that is nice to God. I want God off my back. I want to do a little nice thing because I just, I don't want him to hammer me. And what you've discovered in your life, guilt will only take you so far. And you repeat the same cycles over and over again. But devotion will take you further than guilt. I'm here to invite you not to live in, in guilt, but to live in, de- live in devotion to God. I tell people all the time, run to God, not from God. But I've done and I've failed and i sinned and i made a mistake. Then run to God. Don't run from God. Run to God. Go after God with, with the information you have and the opportunity you have. Go after God. Just get going. And here's what it teaches us. Peter started off first, but John outran him. And I have a word from the Lord for somebody today. It's never too late to arrive on time. It's never too late to arrive on time. Some of us are saying, but pastor, I can't. I knew 10 years ago I was supposed to. I knew I walked away from the relationship. I should have stayed in and I made a wrong choice. I I should have done. I've walked away. I've messed my life up. We've done marriage wrong. Uh, We've we've not followed God. We're 10 years into a marriage and we haven't done it right. We're 8 years into a marriage and we haven't done it right. I'll never make it right. I'm here to tell you it's never too late to start and arrive on time. If you will run to God, if you will go after God, if you will follow God, just get going. God can do something in your life. Don't don't pull away from the Lord. Don't recoil from the Lord. Go after God with all of your heart. You can arrive on time. And number three, I share with you, Get fully on board. Get fully on board with God. It's right in the text. It's in verse number 8. I like this. You can read it. And there's that last phrase in verse number 8. And it says of John the Beloved, he went inside the tomb. And then it says he saw and believed. He saw and believed. And remember what Jesus said. Blessed are those who have not seen, yet believed. Oh, yeah. I tell you, there's a special blessing for you in the house. You never saw it. But blessed are those who have not seen and still believe. Now, is this saying, we have to ask the question of the text, that John did not believe before? This is the one that Jesus called and said, follow me. This is the same John that Jesus took the Mount of Transfiguration and, and he had that special moment with Jesus. This is the one, Peter, James, and John, that were with Jesus in the, 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 the Garden of Gethsemane. And, and they labored in prayer with the Lord. I mean, are you telling me he did not believe before? No, 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 no. Let me, let me share with you what it means. 220 times in the New Testament the word believe occurs. 
220 times in 27 books the word believe occurs. But nearly a hundred times the word believe is in the gospel of John that this very man authored. John will use the word believe more than any other New Testament writer. In fact, here is a good devotion for you. Read the Gospel of John and underline every time you come across the word believe and the Gospel of John more than any other New Testament book. So what does it mean that he saw and he believed? He's teaching us something. Oh, he believed in God, yes, but he wasn't fully on board. He wasn't fully on board. And some of us, we believe in God, but you're not fully on board. Yes, you believe in God, but you don't have a belief system that represents a fully on board moment. Let me unpack that further. Some things only make sense at a new level of believing. Some things only make sense when you get to another level of believing in your life. You move from just kind of kind of believing, kind of a warm heart, devotional little believe occasionally, and you just to something that's that's deeper and more meaningful. I'm saying get fully on board. You see, the higher the devotion, the lower the difficulties. I know you didn't get a say amen, but let me unpack this. I'll get you there, okay? The higher your devotion to God, the lower your difficulties in God. The reason some of us have so many difficulties, I mean, I mean, if anything happens, if, if the tissue box runs out of tissue, you think God has abandoned you. If you go to H-E-B and they don't have the brand of soup you want, you think God's not in heaven anymore. Why? Everything's a difficulty because it represents low-level devotion. But with high-level devotion, difficulties go down and are minimized. Can I give you an example of that? Let me give you an example. Okay? If I ask you to sign up for this, this is what you will do. This is what you're signing up for. You're signing up for 470 loads of laundry every year. 109 trips to the grocery store. And 230 arguments every year. I have just described to you a family of four. Yeah. Yeah. But if I describe it to you, 470 loads of 109 trips to the grocery store standing in that line. And every one I have over 13 items. I can't go through the quick checkout line. i got to always go through that. And with that 230 arguments a year yes that's 19 arguments a month pastor that's only 12 days of peace a month that's only one third of the month that we're getting along if there's not an argument and that's the average family the average home of four that doesn't even mean you have trouble in your marriages and difficult that's just life together will you sign up for that yes you will why when that little boy or girl comes to you on Mother's Day with a card with his picture pasted in the middle and macaroni sprayed gold <laughs> and presents that to you. 
At that moment, you're not thinking. You'll say, I'll do 500 loads of laundry. I'll go to the store 130 times this year. I'll just put up with the fussing and fighting for the 19 days every month just to love that little boy, just to love that little darling. It makes it all worthwhile for you see the higher the devotion, the lower the difficulties. Here's what I want to share with us. This is what my heart wants to impart to you. The higher your devotion to God, the lower the challenges or the difficulties and the sacrifices seem to you. Yes, there's, only, there's some things you only sta- understand at a new level of believing. Yes, what are you talking about, Pastor? The Bible says to, to love your enemies. That guy that pushes your button at work, just the look on his face irritates you. It's, it's, it's silent hostility at work. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. You, you, you won't even, if you hear where they're going to lunch, you go somewhere else. Why? Because they just annoy you. To be able to love their enemies, you only understand that at a higher level of believing. You have to go to a higher level of believing. That neighbor, that neighbor's whose dog barks, in the middle of the night and keeps you up and irritates you that yep, 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 yep. And you prayed, oh God, kill it. I know all dogs go to heaven. <laughs> it would be within your plan. All dogs can go to heaven. Let's take that one tonight, God. You wish somebody would open the gate and that little, that little critter run off and you've even plotted how you would open the gate and let it out some night. Yeah. To love them, to turn the other cheek. You can only do that at a higher level of believing. Tithing, if you don't go to a higher level of believing, it never makes sense, and it will never put joy in your heart. There's some things to understand with God. You have to go to a higher level of believing. For you see, there is low believing, and there is high believing. And John, before verse number 8, before he stepped into the tomb and he realized Jesus was alive, he had low-level believing. But the moment he saw, he believed. That means he went to high-level believing. It went up higher. There's a difference between low-level believing and high-level believing. In just a moment, I'm going to take us into a prayer moment. And I believe there are people in here, God's talking to your heart. You've lived on low-level believing. Yes, you believe in God. Yes, you believe in God. You even know the Lord. But you don't have that high level of believing. You're not convinced. If you study the, the psychology of believing, and the psychology of believing, they tell us there's a difference between believing in and believing that. Believing in and believing that. John, John before the resurrection, he believed in Jesus. But now he believes that Jesus is alive. You believe in God? I believe in God. But do you believe that if you follow God's word, God will guide your path, God will bless your life? If you walk away from that thing that doesn't please God, God will make it up to you and God will give you a better life.
Do you believe that doing life God's way will make your life enriched? Do you believe that doing marriage God's way and not living together will make the relationship holy and blessed of the Lord? It's going from low-level believing to high-level believing. And many of us here, we have low-level believing. We believe in God, but not enough that there is a that moment. I'm going to do it that way. I'm going to live by that scripture. I'm going to live by that principle. I'm going to live by that truth. I'm going to let that interrupt me. I'm going to let that impose upon me. I'm going to let that principle guide me. I don't care what culture says. I don't care what people say. I don't care what the crowd is doing. I will go by what that God has said it. It's true. And here's what Jesus is saying. Blessed are those who have not seen And you still have a that moment in your life. God will elevate you. So I take you to a prayer moment. It's really I'm summonsing the house to high believing. Low believing. I believe in God. Nothing wrong with that. I don't minimize that. John had it. But it, was, it would not be enough to take him to Patmos and around the Roman Empire. Low-level believing, it would not take Peter to preach the gospel and end up in Rome and say, you can crucify me upside down because I'm not worthy to be crucified in the manner of my Lord. You see, there was a that moment high-level believing will change the channel of your life. It will change how you look at your spouse. It will change how you look at God's assignment. It will change how you look at tomorrow. High-level believing changes everything. And I invite you, I invite us to high-level believing. Get fully on board with God. I'm going to lead us in a prayer in a moment. But I sensed, I sensed through the week, this one point labored inside of me. And it's almost like my heart could feel for a moment what God's heart feels for you. People that are missing God's best because they live in low-level believing. And God is saying, go to high-level believing. It'll change the channel of your life. And I think there are people here, you sense God stirring you have for weeks you have for weeks stirring inside of you calling you to high level believing sir is that you i know you said it's not me it's it's not i wasn't raised that way i don't feel i'm not comfortable in that and we can use all the excuse of i'm gonna or whatever i'm calling us to high level believing is god speaking to you get fully on board the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart not so I can see it but I want I want you to know God will see it your hand going up and if the Holy Spirit is whispering to you and speaking to you across the auditorium balcony and main floor right before we pray would you just raise your hand and say that's me pastor I just sense calling you to high level believing. Yes. 
sir, God honors your head. God honors your head, sir. Sir, God bless you. Bless you. Thank you, young man. Thank you. Yes. God knows exactly what that means. God knows what that represents in your heart. High level belief. It changed these men's lives. It can change our lives. Would you stand together with me for this closing prayer? Thank you. Father, I sense the the anointing and the Holy Spirit is in the room. He's awakening. He is speaking. He's speaking as he's awakened hearts. And something in the core of our being has been touched. Many hands went up. The young man in the balcony, the man to my left, the young adult right before me, the family, you've spoken to them. They sense God, something stirring in them, and their desire is to go to high-level believing. They want the channel to be changed in their life. God, you're going to honor that and you're going to take them on a pathway. Yes, Lord, your your path sometimes interrupts us. Yes, sometimes there's a sacrifice. Sometimes we have to walk away from stuff. We have to get out of ruts. We have to abandon excuses and put off procrastination. But that's the key. That's that's necessary to get fully on board with you. And I pray, God, today for everyone that has raised their hand, they'll remember this day. They'll remember this day in the house of the Lord in which they said, I'm going fully on board. I'm going to run after God. I'm going to go all the way. What God's Word teaches, what God's Spirit wants, I'm going to follow God. I'm not going to let friends, culture, I'm not going to let my own past And my own inhibitions control me any longer. And I'm going to follow God. And I pray, Lord, that you'll give them the strength and the courage. Give our men. God, just give them guidance. Give them them confidence that they can get fully on board with you. I pray your blessings upon them. And I pray the anointing and the encouragement of the Holy Spirit to be with them. And some, this moment represents a brand new beginning with God. They believe in you, but they're going to believe that. If they follow God, God will change them. And I ask you, Lord, right now, give them a making new moment. God, awaken a level of faith in them that they know they're persuaded, they're convinced that Jesus is the only way to do life. And I pray this. In the name of our Redeemer and Savior, Jesus. Amen. If you have made a decision today that you want a new life and follow God, the screen behind me will have a phone number on it. And if you will just text two words, new life, we would like to encourage you in your pathway, your faith journey, in your getting fully on board with God. If you'll just text two words, new life, it allows us to connect with you right away and put you on that
that spiritual pathway of victory in your life. If you'll do that, we'll follow up. Thank you for being here. And I pray that God's encouraged your faith and strengthened your faith in the Lord today. The Lord bless you. You're dismissed. Thank you.